Good morning, everyone. Um, I want to thank God for another opportunity to speak his word this morning. And uh, thank you all for coming. Will you say to your neighbor, thank you for coming? And I also want to humble myself and uh, thank the leadership of the church for giving me this opportunity to speak this morning on our series, Imperfect People in the Hands of a Perfect God. Now, I, I heard Matt saying the other day that uh, Nathan was asking him, so who are you going to speak about? And uh, no one asked me. <laughs> I was hoping somebody would, but... Even my own wife did not want to ask me what I'm doing. <laughs> I guess people were just saying, we'll find out. <laughs> so you are about to find out. So I'm going to be speaking about two imperfect people with no names. They have no names. I know my colleagues have been speaking about people with names in the Bible, but these two have no names. But there's something about them that I would like us to know and to appreciate God for. It's from my favorite book in the Bible, the book of John. The book of John is on my heart. Uh, ever since I got saved, every year I read the book of John. Above all other books, I can't spend a year without reading John. So you realize that some of the scriptures, I'll just be pouring them out from my heart. Because I now know this book by heart. So, if you could, uh, if possible, go to John chapter 4. There's a woman we meet there who is called the Samaritan woman. And uh, we just want to explore this imperfect woman in the hands of a perfect God. Hallelujah. So Jesus had to go from Judea to Galilee because the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing more people than John. In fact, it was his disciples who were baptizing people. And so when he heard this, he decided to move from Judea and he decided to go to Galilee. But on his way to Galilee, the Bible says he had to pass through Samaria. I like the King James Version for it says he needs pass through Samaria. Now Samaria, just a brief background, the Samaritans were a mixed breed. They were a mixture of Jews and Assyrians. So when the Assyrians came and invaded Israel, there were some poor people that were left. Forgive me, I know here you say poor people, I say poor people. <laughs> Don't worry about it. So there were some poor people who were left behind. And so what the Assyrians did is they brought their own people into Israel to stay with these people. And as a result, they became intermarried to each other. And the result was the Samaritans. So Samaritans were not Jews, per se. They were half Jews. And so they, there became a hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. Because they said, you are a mixed breed. You cannot be associated with us. You are not one of us. And so that hostility was such that they could not even share utensils. They, couldn't share, they didn't want to share anything with them. And so when Jesus sent his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, he said to them, don't go into the Samaritan village. Go to the lost house of Israel. But here in the book of John chapter 4, we see Jesus 
saying, I need to pass through Samaria. Hallelujah. He didn't want his disciples to go to Samaria because he knew what his disciples were thinking about the Samaritans. He knew the, the opinions that they had about the Samaritans. So he didn't want them to go, but he decided to go by himself. One thing I like about Jesus is when it comes to Gentiles, he decides to visit by himself. Hallelujah. He decides, I am the one going there, and I'm going to do something. So he goes to a town called Sika, and then when he gets there, he sits by the well. Now, it's in the afternoon, it's hot, and he's tired. And a Samaritan woman, the Bible says a Samaritan woman comes to the well to fetch some water. And when Jesus sees this woman, he says, give me a drink of water. And do you know what the woman said? The woman said, you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, and you ask me for a drink of water? Now, remember I said they never shared utensils, but there's something deeper in this statement than just utensils, which I want to show you in a minute. Now Jesus is sitting at the well, Jacob's well, in a land that had been apportioned to Joseph, his son. And this woman comes wanting to fetch water, and Jesus asks for water. And this woman said, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan. You are asking me for a cup of water. It was more than just water. Because according to the Bible, at the well, that is where love was born. I hope you understand what I'm saying this morning. Let's rewind to Genesis chapter 24. We meet the man Eliezer. He has been sent by Abraham to go and find Isaac, his son, a wife. Eliezer goes to the land where Abraham and Sarah had come from. And when he reaches that land, he, had, he has camels which are carrying loads and loads of goodies for this beautiful bride to be. He gets to the well. And when he comes to the well, he prays and says, God of my father Abraham, I call upon you now that this girl that I have come to look for, this is the sign that will show me that this is the one that you have chosen. When I ask her for water, and she says, not only will I give you water, but I'll also water your camels. Let her be the one that you have chosen for my master Isaac. And before he finished praying, the Bible says, there came Rebecca to the well <laughs> with a jug of water. And she gets to the well, and the man says, may, young girl, may I have some water? And she says, certainly. And after you're done, I'm going to water your camels as well. Now, if you know camels, you know how much water they drink. <laughs> they have a hump on their back, and it is said that hump is like it's a tank of water. Because they can go for three weeks without drinking water. That's why they are so suitable for desert areas. But when they drink water, they drink water like water. But this girl says, I'll water your camels as well. And the Bible says this man just looked and he was amazed that his prayer had been answered and love was born. Amen? Five chapters down the line, we see Jacob running away from his father Esau. He comes to the same well. And he sees the shepherds there with their sheep gathered. And he says, why are you not watering the sheep? They say, no, we have to gather all the sheep before we open the, 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 the well to water them. So we are still waiting for others to come. And he asks about Laban. How is my grandfather Laban? They say, he's fine. He's good. And as he is speaking, Rachel comes with his father's sheep. And as soon as he sees Rachel, he runs to open the mouth of the well. And he, he waters the sheep. And the Bible says, he kisses Rachel. 
and he weeps. And guess what? Rachel became his wife from the well. And we run and we go into Nathan's and Matt's message, Moses, Exodus chapter 2. Moses is running away from Pharaoh. And he goes to a land of Midian. And when he reaches Midian, he sits by the well. And as he's by the well, he sees Zipporah and her sister bringing their father's sheep. And the shepherds are chasing them away. They are bullying them probably because they were girls. And he stands up. Now, this is a murderer on the run. And these shepherds did not see it coming. But he stands up to them and he waters the sheep for these girls. And they go on their way. And their father, Ruel, says, why are you back so early today? They say, there's this Egyptian who helped us. Where did you leave him? Oh, he's by the well. Why did you leave him there? And they went and took him in. And Zipporah became Moses' wife. So, as Jesus is asking for water from this Samaritan woman, this woman sees it as a proposal of love. Do you get my point? Because you are looking at me and you're like, is this guy normal? What is this? <laughs> and I want to tell you the good news is Jesus was proposing to this woman. He was proposing to her. But as Jesus was proposing to this woman, he was not just looking at this woman. He was seeing the people of Samaria behind this woman. He was seeing the people that this woman would touch when Jesus, the perfect one, had touched the imperfect one. Amen. And so, as Jesus proposed to this woman, he knew that she was more influential than she thought. And you'll see in a minute that she was influential. Do you know that you are more influential than you think? Just because your name does not appear in the BBC newspaper, just because your name does not appear in, on Sky News, that's just because your face is not even known on Al Jazeera of all channels, does not mean that you are not influential. You are influential in the eyes of God, and God is just waiting for the right moment to unwrap you to the world. Hallelujah. This woman was not influential. If anything, she has a past, like all of us have a past. But God did not worry about the past because God is not worried about your past. God is worried about your future. Hallelujah. He knows that everybody has a past. And as far as Paul is, co is concerned, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God had already a plan for that. His plan is that when he has redeemed us, that we do not go on sinning. Oh, the, 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 the worship team today just went through this message, Felix went through this message, they just, you know, they just went in and, 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 and you know, like that man who was waiting for the water to be moved, they just moved the waters of this message. Amen. So, God was capturing the attention of this woman. And because Jesus is God, he could see inside this woman and he could see the potential that she had to spread the gospel to the lost. Hallelujah. When God went for Moses, whilst he was tending his father-in-law's sheep, it was not for Moses, it was for Israel. When God sent Joseph to Egypt as a slave, it was not for Joseph. It was for Egypt, it was for Israel. 
Hallelujah. When God sent Amos, that shepherd, it was not for Amos, it was for the Jews. Hallelujah. When God sends you, it's not for you, it's for your Uber driver, it's for your taxi driver, it's for your teacher, it's for your workmate, it's for the tool operator, it is for the bus driver, it is for the train driver, it is for that woman who works in a, in a charity shop. It's not for you and you alone, it is for your neighbor, that neighbor that throws trash into your yard, it is for your brother it is for your sister that sister that you don't want to talk to because as children you always fought it is not for you it is for them so agree to be a vessel to be used by God to bring those people to him hallelujah in other words if you want me to say it in this way I would say that God is using you as a paper bag to carry other people to his throne hallelujah but don't remain a paper bag God is using you as a sign. You know, when you are driving on the road, there's a sign that says Heathrow Airport, and the arrow is pointing upwards to say you are in the right direction. But do not be like that sign, because that sign will never go to Heathrow Airport. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be the vessel that when you bring others, you yourself are also coming. Jesus says, what profits a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his own soul? God wants you, and when he touches you, he wants you to touch the next person so that together you come before his throne. Hallelujah. So as Jesus is speaking to this woman, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking for water, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now listen to him. He's proposing to this woman. He's saying, this water, I have better water <laughs> than this one. If you knew, and then she did not understand. She says, but this world is deep. How are you going to reach for this water? <laughs> then Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will become thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him, he will never thirst. But this water will become springs welling up to eternal life. Hallelujah. There is a kind of water that Jesus was introducing to this woman. There's a kind of water, oh, I love that song, that come to the well and drink. There's a kind of water that when we drink, we will never be thirsty again. And Jesus is saying, when you come to me and drink, we have been drinking of his blood. We have been eating of his blood. When you come and drink from me, you will never Somebody say never. <laughs> never. They say never, say never. But I say never in the name of Jesus. I will never be thirsty again. And when you go to John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus cries out and says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. <laughs> I, I, I believe people are looking at him and saying, we come to you. Yeah, come to me. I have the perfect water. This water that you're drinking is not perfect because tomorrow you come back looking for it. But when you drink from me, out of you will flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. But guess what? This message is not being said to people of influence in Israel. It is being said to a Samaritan woman. And this woman is like, wow. Okay. Give me this water then. <laughs> then Jesus says, go and call your husband. And then she says, I have no husband. Oh, come on. Do you see what this woman is thinking? <laughs> Hallelujah. The imperfect. I have no husband. 
Then Jesus says, of course, you are right. You have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands. And the one you are living with now is not even your husband. She was a man's nature. Oh, my God. <laughs> the man she's living with is not a husband. She has had five husbands. One, two, three, four, five. And now she has a sixth one. And now she's aiming for the seventh. <laughs> but I love it. Because the seven in the Bible means complete. And the seventh husband happened to be Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. To complete, and the, to complete her life and she would become perfect. Oh, Jesus perfects the imperfect. Hallelujah. So Jesus says, you are right, you have no husband. And then she says, then she changes the story again. She says, oh yes, but our fathers told us that we should worship on this mountain. But you Jews say, in Jerusalem, that's where we should worship. Jesus says, you worship what you do not know. For salvation is from the Jews. We worship what we know. A time is coming. And it's already here that the true worshippers do not need to look for a mountain. You see, the Samaritans, even though they were separated from Israel, they knew that they had to worship some God somewhere. And they had a mountain. They couldn't go to Jerusalem because they were considered an unclean people. So they could not go to Jerusalem. They had their own mountain, which said, our father said, here on this mountain, we can serve God here. But it was no longer about mountains. It was no longer about the temple in Jerusalem. If we talk about the temple in Jerusalem, Jesus had chased people, money changers in the temple. Because the people were now coming from Scotland, coming to chase to Jerusalem. And the people said, no, you don't need to carry animals from Scotland. Just come with your money, we'll change it, and then you can buy animals. So there was a market in the church. Oh, this animal, look at it. It has no spot. You see? It has, it, it, oh, yes. Animal for $5. Animal for £5. Pounds, animal for £10. Pounds. This is what was happening. Animals to sacrifice to God. It was no longer coming from your own head. It was now coming from the market. And Jesus said, enough of this nonsense. This must stop now. So a time is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. Now let me just dash to this woman before I conclude because I, do, I, I don't want to spend much of my time, of your time, you know, talking and talking. We want to see what God can do for us this morning. In chapter 8, we see a woman who is brought to Jesus and this woman has been caught in adultery. That's imperfect. She has been caught in adultery and the Pharisees brought her to Jesus to test him. And they said to him, say, we caught this woman committing adultery. Now the law of Moses says these people must be stoned. So what do you say? There's a word that uh, Keith spoke when he spoke about Amos. He spoke about the word injustice. There was a lot of injustice with this story. Now if this woman had been caught committing adultery, where is the man? Why did you just bring the woman? What the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy 22, 22, it says both of them must be stoned to death. Now, where is the man? Now, here's my answer. What I think happened. This man was probably a Pharisee. A well-known figure. And so they said, no, we, 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 we can't. We can't. Just go, go. Go, go. We can't put you to shame. Just, just disappear. Just like what they are doing these days. You know, prominent people are disappearing. And it is the unknown that are suffering the consequences of the prominent people. 
So this woman, because she has no name, she has no fame, but she has shame on her. She's brought before the people that Jesus is teaching. We need to cast. And I can imagine these people are holding stones and are raring to go. Just say the word and she's gone. And Jesus stoops down and starts writing on the ground. It doesn't say anything. And I wondered what Jesus was writing on the ground. But in my thinking as I was praying, I'm thinking that Jesus is showing them that, oh, it doesn't matter what she has done. But my God above is writing an account about everyone. Remember in the book of Revelation, it says, and the books were opened. Now, who is writing those books? And what do they contain? And in the book of Romans, Paul says, for each and everyone has to give an account. Now, for those of us who did accounts, you know what accounts mean? When you have to give an account, you have to balance. The books have to be balancing. If they are not balancing, then either you're out of the job or there's forgery or there's fraud taking place. So Jesus is writing and then they continue to pester him and then he says, if anyone among you, the, the, the person that has no sin, let that person be the first to cast the stone. And then he continues writing. Now these are Pharisees. Nobody had seen them sinning. Nobody had a record of any of them sinning, but this woman has committed adultery. We know it. We caught her. But when Jesus said that statement, it pricked on their hearts. And the Bible says, starting with the elderly, they left. Because they realized that this stone I'm holding, I'm actually supposed to throw it at myself. Because I'm a sinner. They realized that even though man has not seen me sinning, but God has. And thus Jesus is writing on the ground to say, God is watching you. He has seen you. He knows what your hearts contain. You are not innocent just because no one has seen you does not mean you haven't done it. You know those things that are done in the dark, under the cover of darkness, and you think people are not watching? God is watching. I remember a story of a father and a son who went to steal from the garden of the neighbor because they were hungry. They went in the night to steal vegetables. And the father says, look this way, look that way, look that way, look that way, and make sure no one is coming. And as the father is busy in the garden, the son says, dad, dad. He says, what is it? What about there? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, I'm looking there, I'm looking, but what about up there? Somebody's watching. God is watching. So God knows, but God Jesus did not come to wish anyone dead. He is a disciple maker, not the deceased maker. He doesn't make the deceased, he makes disciples. So this woman was prevented from death and she was left there alone with Jesus. Everyone left, including those that he was teaching, they all realized just how empty their lives were and left. And Jesus says, where are your condemners? She says, they are gone, sir. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go home and sin no more. This woman was imperfect, but she came into the hands of a perfect God, and her life changed. She was given a new lease of life. I thank God Felix was saying, let's celebrate what we are free from. She could go home and say, I am free from sin. And not only sin, I have been set free from death. I stared death in the eyes, but death could not have me. Because Jesus came to give me a new lease of life. The woman in, in John chapter 4 left a jug of water. She didn't need it anymore. 
Because the water was temporary anyway. She would be thirsty tomorrow. She left it and she ran back into the city. Now remember I said when Jesus is serving, is coming to you, he's coming to you because he sees people behind you. The woman went into town. Now she's a Samaritan woman. She's well known in Samaria. Having had five husbands. And living with a husband who is not yours. Who, who would know you? I mean, most women were actually saying to their husbands, eh, be careful, don't look at her. They knew her. She had so much potential in the area of snatching husbands. So she has potential in the area of snatching people from the clutches of the devil into the clutches of Jesus. So she went into the town and said, come and meet a man. Another one. Yeah. But this one is different because he told me everything I have ever done. Could he be the Messiah? And the town came to the well. Now Jesus is still the world. The disciples have come back. They're offering him food. He's saying, I have food of my own that you know nothing about. What do you mean? Did somebody, did, did, did anybody feed him? What, that, that woman who he was with, did, 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 what, what? my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he says other words that I'm not going to say now. But the woman comes back with the town of Sychar to Jesus. And they beg him to stay with him. And, they, and he stayed with them two days. And after two days, they say to the woman, we now believe. Not because of what you told us. But because we have seen for ourselves what this man is. I want to finish this morning by saying, Jesus, the perfect one has come to us, the imperfect ones, so that we, when we have been perfected by his water, we can come and bring others with our own testimonies to bring them to Christ. And when they come to Christ, it is also their own testimony that is going to be built up when they see him face to face. Because Jesus never meets anyone and leaves that person without a testimony. Everyone who meets Jesus goes away with a testimony. Hallelujah. And so this woman had a testimony. The people of Sychar had a testimony. Oh, he is the great savior. He is the great messiah. They had a testimony because of one imperfect woman who had a meeting with the perfect God and her destiny was changed. Now the Bible does not say what happened to these husbands and this man that she was with. We thank God that whenever God visits someone, he leaves you completely changed. We are not here to judge people or to condemn people for what they have done in the past. We are not here to judge people for what they have done with their lives, their failures, because everybody has failed in a way, one way or another. We are here to point each other to Jesus, to say this is the way to go. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Alpha and Omega. He will perfect us. He will bring us to a place where we will sing and say, he is saying, oh, come to the altar. My father's arms are open wide. <laughs> Forgiveness was brought with the precious blood of Jesus. He has forgiven our sins. Do not live in shame anymore. He actually wants you to live in victory. He actually wants you to look at shame and laugh at it and say, shame, <laughs> I hate you, shame. <laughs> because in Joel chapter 2, he says it twice. He says, and my people will never be put to shame again. So if you are his people, and I know that you are, you will never be put to shame again. The sins of your past will never come to haunt you again. And even when they try, they'll find Jesus standing at your door to take them back to where they came from. And I know God has a way for you.
And God has a way for your neighbor. God has a way for your Uber driver, like I said. God has a way for the teacher of your son and daughter. God has a way for that family that lives by the beach. May God use you this morning to bring glory to him. Amen.